Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. presence of the Lord is in this room. Come on, let's just entertain this presence. I don't feel to move forward just yet. Just a few more moments longer. We entertain your presence, Lord. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. You are welcome here, Jesus. Amen. 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 One more time, why don't you put your hands together for the Lord, for what he's done in this place. Amen, amen. If you're able, you may return to your seats. Thank you so much for your response to the presence of the Lord this morning. And uh, as you return, would you please remain standing? We're going to go directly to the word of the Lord. This morning, why don't you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and we will begin reading at verse number 20, and then we will continue on through verse, or chapter number 6, um, for a little bit, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter Six. Actually, let's just let's just read verse number two, Second Corinthians six and verse two. Amen. And while you are turning there, uh, we want to make you aware of something very special that is happening today. Sister Nia Valandingham is being baptized in Jesus' name after service. And so we want you to make sure to stay around, stick around for that. You don't want to miss it. Amen. We know it's going to be a special day in her life and in the life of this church. There's nothing more awesome than seeing our children uh, respond to the presence of God and uh, make a decision that they want to live for the Lord. And um, as someone who was baptized and received the Holy Ghost at a very young age, let me just assure you it is real. It's real. These kids are not just coming up here just replicating what we're doing, mimicking what we're doing, but there is a real decision and understanding of what they're doing when they're baptized in Jesus' name and they receive the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it. I was baptized on New Year's Eve in the year 1995. I was five years old. I'll never forget it. It was a day that uh, just transformed my life as much as it could at five years of age, but I'll never forget it. I remember it. I remember the water being very, very cold. It was before we had heaters. So Nia, you'll you'll get to have a nice heated baptism. Amen. It, we didn't have that back in the day, but 
We're excited about that. Excited for Nia and her family. Amen. How many just love the Valandinghams? Do you love? We love them. And I'll never forgive Brother Bo for that uh, speech that he gave before I started evangelizing three years ago. Some of you will remember that. Thankfully, most of you don't. So, amen. Just kind of forget it. Uh, Amen. Also, we want to say what a tremendous honor it is to have uh, the Bounds family with us here at Living Hope. Can we just give them a round of applause? You know, this is a special weekend for Josh and Jess. We love the Bounds. And I got it right this time. I said Bounds. I didn't say Johnson. I was somewhere preaching a few weeks ago, and I referred to the Bounds as Ash Johnson's, and I will never live it down. I promise you. Brother Bounds saw me uh, here a few weeks ago, and he said, hey, Brother Mooney, how are you doing? It's Okay, okay, I get it. Amen, but we love them, and of course, an honor to have the Johnson family, Pastor and Sister Johnson. Can we just give them a round of applause? Amen. And really, he should be up here preaching today, but y'all are stuck with me. Amen. But we love him, and we appreciate them and their leadership and our movement, and uh, amen. Pray for him because Brother Josh is their son, and just there's enough said right there. You know, there's enough. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter six, beginning at verse number two. Before I read, let me say what an honor it is to stand before you today. I honor Pastor Sister Valerie, the entire state and family. One more time, can we just let Pastor and Sister Valerie know how much we love them, how much we appreciate them. so thankful for their leadership in my life, and I wouldn't uh, be here without them. That is that is true, and I appreciate them. Um, here's what I've asked the Lord to do today. I do feel like the Lord has given me a word, and um, I've asked the Lord to just kind of remove um, the the wall that sometimes we as preachers build whenever God gives us perhaps something tough to say. Um, because here's the thing, when, and I'm, I'm young, I'm not saying I'm old, but I remember being significantly younger than I am now when I started preaching, and there was this innocence that was there whenever God would give me a word, and I could just preach it freely. Um, because I maybe wasn't as aware uh, of how hard sometimes the things that I would say, uh, actually, how hard they were to say and, and how hard and serious they were. And there was an innocence there, and I could just preach. But the older you get, the more you become aware of the words that you're saying and the gravity with which you say them at times. But you know what I've asked the Lord to do? I've prayed. I said, God, I just I want you to remove that barrier. I just want to preach freely what you've given me to say. That same innocence that was there, Lord. I just Can you just for a few moments remove that? And I'm asking you right now, church, to just hear me in the spirit in which I, I feel to deliver it. I feel like the Lord has given me a word. pastor asked me to preach a few weeks ago, and the Lord spoke to me in prayer about what I was to say to us, and I feel like God has given me this word. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 2. Bible says, 
For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now, somebody say now, is the accepted time. Behold, now, someone say now. Now is the day of salvation. Said, I've given you an accepted time, and that time is now. The day of salvation is now. I like to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost on this simple subject. The nemesis of now. The nemesis of now. Why don't you put your Bibles down? Why don't you lift your hands in this room? And let's pray together one more time, shall we? And let's just ask for God's presence to move in this place. Come on, Living Hope, would you lift up your voice right now all across the room? And would you begin to pray? Come on, would you lift up your room, your, 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 your voice in the room right now and begin to pray? God, I pray in Jesus' name that your power and that your presence would move in this place. I feel like you've given me a word. God, a word to encourage, Lord, but a word to challenge. And I pray, let that word go forth with power and anointing. Let that word go forth, Lord God, and bring forth fruit. Let it find a lodging place in every heart. Let the seed of the word find good ground, Lord. Let it bring forth fruit, for that is his purpose and that is his intent. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we take dominion right now over every spirit that would exalt itself above the wisdom and the knowledge of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Lord, but we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we cast down every stronghold. We tear down every imagination that would exalt itself above the wisdom of the, and the knowledge of God. And we pray, let there be freedom. Let there be liberty. Let there be anointing in this place in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ one more time why don't you clap your hands oh come on church why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise come on clap your hands unto the Lord and give him worship hallelujah 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 amen thank you so much for standing for the reading of the word you may be seated in the presence of the Lord I do not like waiting. I want everything, and I want it right now. Some of y'all look at me real weird like you aren't that way. I want it all, and I, I want it now. Not a week from now, not a month from now. I want it right now. We just bought our first home, and I want it paid off now. Like, bro, you're like, it hasn't even been any, I don't care. I want it paid off now. We just got to the restaurant in order. You, you, I, I don't care. I want it now. Five minutes has passed. I want it now. Some of you made a New Year's resolution that you were going to work out and lose some weight and put on some muscle. And some of y'all are stepping on the scale like, I, sh I should have lost five pounds by now. Bro, you just went to the gym for the first time. I don't care. I want it now. I want it gone now. Y'all looking at me weird. 
but the old adage really is true. Good things come to those who wait. Sometimes it doesn't happen right now. I would add to that saying, and I would say at a time, good things come to those who wait. Because some good things that come to us have a designated time in which they will come. I remember growing up at some designated times that I looked forward to. As a church kid, can I tell you one of my, uh, uh, one of my times that I look forward to, I, I can't imagine anything else that I look forward to more in the church than being a part of the youth group. Any church kids know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was counting down the days until I could be a part of the youth group. And I didn't even have a youth pastor as awesome as, as Brother Josh and Sister Jess. But I just couldn't wait. I wanted it then, but it took some waiting. I had to wait until the right age. There was a designated time at 12 years old at that time was when I could be a part of the youth group. Or how about whenever you got your driver's license? I don't know what is up with kids these days. It's like you have to press some kids for them to get their driver's license. Man, I remember 15 years ago, whenever I got my driver's, I could not wait. The very day that I could get my license, I was up in the place. You know what I'm talking about? 16 years old, looking at my phone, looking at the calendar, counting down the days. But it was a designated time. Graduating from high school, praise God. I never thought that would happen. Anybody remember those days? Like, I literally, I'm like, this will never happen. Like, Never. It will never happen. But there was a designated time. There was a waiting period that had to happen. But at that designated time, I did. I graduated from high school because sometimes good things come at a time, but you have to wait. Prophet Isaiah in his writings to the nation of Israel foretells of the good thing that is to come for God's chosen people at a time. A nation ensnared in Babylonian captivity now clings to the hope that in an acceptable time I will hear you, and in a day of salvation I will help you. This prophetic utterance was not merely a prophecy foretelling of Israel's deliverance from Babylonian captivity, but more importantly, it pointed toward what was to come when Israel and all of the world would be lifted out of the captivity of sin. But it would happen at a time, not before then, not after then, but in an acceptable time, in a God-ordained time, salvation would come to the nation of Israel. Our God is a God of timing. He is intentional. He has a plan. Nothing he does is thrown together on a whim. No, there is thought and intention to everything that he does. Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. There is a time for everything. God, the chief architect of all things, designed it that way. And his infinite wisdom and knowledge, God created this tool called time to perfectly execute his purpose on the earth. God has a time. Yeah, I know sometimes it may seem like there is no rhyme or reason to what he does, but hear me, God has a time. You may feel like there is no hope right now for you, but rest assured, God has a time. It may feel like chaos and disarray. There seems to be nothing that makes sense, but know this, God 
has a time. Isaiah says the Lord will hear us and will help us, but it will come at a time. Until that time came, they waited. 700 years of waiting until that time was ushered in by Jesus' death on the cross. Here our Savior broke the chains of sin and death forever, thereby reconciling us unto him. And now that time had finally arrived. For years the law of sin and death had ruled the world. But when Jesus died on the cross, the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy had finally come. Now was the day of salvation. Living Hope, can I preach to you that now is the accepted time Time for this church and for the church. I'm aware, I'm aware of Isaiah's prophecy of now being the accepted time, being a prophecy for the church at large beginning at Calvary. But as I begin to pray for this service, the Lord begin to speak to my spirit and say specifically for living hope, now is the time. Now is the time, not a second from now, not 10 years from now, but right now. God is doing something in this community. Right now, God is doing something in this church. Right now, God is on the move now. Oh, good things come to those who wait, and this church has waited for years, we have petitioned heaven. We have bombarded hell with our prayers. We have fasted. We have taught Bible studies. But because God has not done it, we have thought to ourselves, maybe he will not. We've been discouraged, perhaps, that God will not do what he said that he will do. But I've come to preach to someone that God has a time. I've come to preach to you. He has always had a time for this church. He has always had a moment for this church. And and I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost that time is right now. I said it's time for us to get some faith. It's time for us to put the pedal to the metal. It's time for us to have faith like we've never had before because God is getting ready. I said, God is getting ready to pour out his spirit in this community like we've never seen. Not 10 years from now, not Right now, right now, there's getting ready to be an explosion of apostolic authority and anointing in this community. Right now, there's getting ready to be revival. Right now, there's getting ready to be an outpouring and a demonstration of God's spirit. Now is the time for revival. Now is the time for miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, I said right now, right now, God has a time. See, we've been, we've been discouraged because it doesn't seem like God has a time. But can I tell you, everything that God does, there is purpose. There is intention behind it. Everything that God has allowed, he has allowed it in his perfect will and plan. And I've come to tell somebody everything that he has allowed has brought us to this moment where we can stand with a shirt in saying, now is the... I've come to preach to somebody, you better... You better put your seatbelts on and get ready to go because revival is here. Now, 
I wish I had about 15 people that would really believe what I'm saying right now. I said, God has a time. I know you hadn't seen it yet, but he has a time. I know you haven't felt it yet, but he has. he's still on the throne. He's still in control. God knows what he's doing, and he has a time. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hey, it's time for us to seize the moment. It's time for us to take the bull by the horns. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this opportunity. Come on, living hope. God is in this room. God is in this place. The opportunity for God's presence is now. Oh, I wonder if somebody would turn your neighbor and say now. Oh, I want you to tell them now. Not 10 years from now. Now. There's nothing like now. There's nothing like the moment that we're in right now. If we are not careful, we will miss the now that God has us in. Because here's the thing about now. If you're not aware that now is here, now feels just like every other moment in the history of this church. Oh, I've been here before. No, you have not been here before. Because here is now. And right now, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, if there would be about 15, 20, 30 people that would believe that God's getting ready to do what he said that he was going to do, now would I be like every other moment in this church. But now will be a moment where there will be apostolic authority and revival in this community. I'm not preaching to you something that I think. I'm preaching to you something I know in the Holy Ghost. Now, 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 now is the time. Come on, now is the time to teach Bible studies. Now is the time to talk to your co-workers. Now is the time to pray like you've never prayed before. Fast like you've never fasted before. Now, now, don't wait another second. Do it now. Worship like you've never worshipped before. Right now. Pray like you've never prayed before. Right, Believe. I know it's been a long time, but believe. Believe. Now. I need somebody to praise God. I need somebody to worship God like you're believing right now. Something's getting ready to happen. I haven't come to entertain you. I've come to preach a word from God to you and tell you now is the time. Come on. Come on, Esperanza Viva. Now is the time. Come on, Living Hope Youth Group. Now is the time. Come on, Sunday school teachers. Now is the time. Now is the time our children are going to get the Holy Ghost. Now is the time. Now. I feel an urgency in the Holy Ghost. I feel an urgency. It's now. 
Lift up your hands. I want you to pray right now. Some of our spirits aren't open right now, but I'm asking the spirit of the almighty God to open every spirit. I pray against all doubt. I pray against all fear. I'm telling you right now, you think because it hasn't happened yet that God does not have a time. I'm telling you, God has a time. God circled this thing. God has ordained this thing. And I'm telling you right now, every moment has brought us to this moment right here. And now it's time to go all in. Now it's time to, come on. It's not time to hold back. It's not time to just go through the motions. It's time to do all we can. It's time to pray. It's time to, come on. It's time to go now. This is a moment. This is a moment. This is a moment. This moment will not last forever. Now does not last forever. Now is a fleeting moment that is there and then is gone. Do it now. Now. For this church, what God spoke to me, said now. Before I ever had a scripture text, God said now. I'm wanting to do something now. I'm wanting to move now. I'm wanting to pour out my spirit now. Come on, the church needs to be awakened. The church needs to be reminded. I've set this whole thing up. This is not happenstance. This is not something that's just happening on a whim. I've had my hand on them the entire time. I've had my anointing upon them the entire time. I've watched this whole And I'm telling you now, now is the time to move. Now is the time to take action. Now, now, now. Our scripture text, Paul has just reminded the Corinthian church of the now they were a part of when he echoes the words of Isaiah 49 and declares now is the accepted time and now is the day of salvation. Because through his blood, Christ had reconciled them. They now had been entrusted to be ministers of reconciliation. Ambassadors for Christ. It was time for revival. It was time to move. The time was now. God had done his part, and it was time for the church to do their part. However, it seems that Paul has not been completely convinced that the Corinthians understand the magnitude of the moment they were in. One gets to sense that Paul is aware of the church's pivotal place in time, but the church somehow is aloof. For right before he reminds them of the now God has for them, he admonishes them in verse 1 when he says, When then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Apparently, the Corinthian church had begun to take for granted God's grace, and consequently the moment his grace had led them to, they had melted into mediocrity. They were content with status quo. They had become lazy and they had forgotten that they were workers. Somebody hear me right now. 
This moment was made for movement. God forbid we take for granted the grace of God and forget we are workers together with him. Hear me right now in the Holy Ghost. We are living in a now moment. But if you think this now moment will not cost you anything, you are sadly mistaken. If you think we're just going to show up on the scenes and there's going to be revival in this community, you are sadly mistaken. But Paul tells them we are workers together with Christ. It is work. Revival is work. Revival does, it's not free. It will cost you something. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your allegiance to the things of this world. It will be work. But can I tell you, every time that you work for Jesus, it is more than worth it. I said the time is now, but you got to work for it. The time is now, but you got to work for it. Hear me, living hope. Let it not be said of us what Paul was saying of the Corinthian church, that we took the grace of God in vain. That we took for granted what God had done in our lives. Can I tell you, God did not save you for you to sit on a pew somewhere and take for granted his grace. God saved you so that you would get in his kingdom and work. God did not save you for you to sit on a pew somewhere and just and corrode in your spirit. But God saved you to put your hands to the plow and work. God saved you because there was there is work that needed to be done. There's revival that needed to be done. There's harvest that needs to be reaped. Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. He says, now is the accepted time. But Corinthian church, you need to understand something. God did not save you. If you read in chapter number 5 of 2 Corinthians, at the very end, Paul is talking. And he's talking about how God has reconciled the world to him. God has reconciled the church through his blood and through his sacrifice. But he says, you know what? I didn't reconcile you just so you could go through the motions. But when I reconciled you, I also gave you the ministry of reconciliation. That means when I reconciled you, I sent you out as ambassadors to declare to the world that there's still hope. When I saved you, I sent you into a now moment to tell the world there's hope for you. There's a purpose for you. Come on, church. Come on, church. That's who we are. That's who we are. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're ministers of reconciliation. Come on. Let's go to work. Let's go to work at our schools. Let's go to work at our jobs. Let's go to work at our... Lift up your hands and pray. Paul said, don't you take for granted the grace that God has given you. Don't you take for granted that you can come into living hope and lift up your hands without wrath and doubting. Don't you take for granted that he brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Don't you take for granted the only reason you've been a recipient of grace. The only reason that he saved and delivered you is so that you could tell somebody else. So that you could be a partner with him. 
We love jumping. We love shouting. About now. But don't tell me that now will require work. I just want to hear, Brother James, I want to hear, Pastor, that we can show up at church without everybody, ever talking to anybody about Jesus at the grocery store or never teaching a home Bible study and this place be packed and filled to overflowing. I want to hear that I can know the deep things of God without ever praying. I want to hear that I can have a, a deep and a, and, and a real relationship with God without ever really. Don't tell me that it's work, Pastor. Don't give me all of this right here and tell me that I got to do something. Don't tell me that I got I to gotta pray and I got to fast and get in the Word. And I got to talk to somebody and I got to invite somebody over to dinner. Just tell me that all I have to do is come to church and go through the motions. And if I'll do that, then that's fine. Can I tell you, you were not created for that. That is not your purpose. You were created. You were saved to be a worker. You are saved to be a co-laborer with Christ. You are his hands and feet. If you don't preach, the word will not be preached. If you don't teach, the word will not be taught. You are co-laborers. You are co-laborers with him. Work. Work while it is day. Work while it is day. Work while it is day. The night is coming where no man can work. The night is coming where no man can labor. There's a night coming. But church, while it is yet day, let us work. While the time is here, let us work. All said, we are workers. Not what you want to hear, Corinthian church. This thing will be work. Here's, here's the thing about that word work. Anytime work is mentioned, the nemesis of now is revealed. That is laziness. Laziness is a nemesis of now. After Paul, listen, says now is the time, he immediately follows that statement with this statement. We put no obstacles in anyone's way. Now at first glance, that would seem random and misplaced. Now is the time, and we don't put any obstacles in your way. Paul, what does that have to do with anything? There is something that Paul is addressing. Why is it important to say that there is no obstacle in your way? That answer can be found in Proverbs 26 and 13. For the Bible says that the sluggard saith, there is a lion in the way. The lion is in the streets. The nemesis of now is laziness. And any time laziness shows up on the, on the scene, excuses begin to be made. Paul says, now is the accepted time. 
And I know what you're going to say. You're going to bring up excuses about how you cannot cohabitate or co-labor with God. You're going to bring up excuses about why you can't do this and why you can't do that. It is apparent from Paul's statement that there were those in the church that were saying, as a slugger was saying in Proverbs, that there was a lion in the street and therefore they couldn't be workers in God's divine plan. There was too much going on. There was too much happening in their life. There was too much going on. I can't. There's a lion in the street. There's an obstacle in my way. I got this going on and that going on. I can't co-labor with God. I can't work in God's kingdom. There's a lion in the street. But I've come to preach a divine word from God to somebody. There is no lion in the streets. I've come to echo the words of the Apostle Paul when he told the Corinthian church, there is no obstacle in your way. There is nothing preventing you. There is nothing blocking you. God has already ordained this thing. God has set this thing up. You just need to quit making excuses and you need to work. I've come to preach to the spirit ram that will lie to you and tell you you can't be used for God. The devil is a liar. There is no lion in the street. That's what the sluggard says. That's what laziness says. Laziness says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I know what God is calling me to do, but I can't do it. But I've come to tell somebody, there is no lion in the street. There is no obstacle in your way. Get out there and work. Get out there and teach a Bible study. Tell somebody about Jesus. That's what you were called to do. You're a worker. You're, I know you're busy. I know you got things going on, but there's no lion in the street. I know you got kids. I know there's all types of things going on, but there's no lion in the street. There's no excuses. There's no obstacle in the way. You're just dealing with the nemesis of... No, there's a, there's a lion in the street. I, I really want to go out, and I, I really want to go down the path, and I really want to see God do everything. But I can't because there's a, there's a lion in the street. I can't because there's this going on in my family and this going on in my life. I'm just too busy, and, and, and I, I, don't, I don't have enough time to get up in the morning and pray, and I don't have enough time to get up in the morning and read my Bible, and it's just too hard for me to tell somebody about Jesus at my school because, you see, I'm the only one, and because I'm the only one, all the attention is on me, and because all the attention is on me, that's not my personality type. I don't like being the center of attention. I want the attention to be deflected off of me. There's a lion in the street. I can't do it. There's a lion in the street. I can't be who God's called me to be. There's a line in the street. I can't witness. There's a line in the street. I can't consecrate myself. There's a line in the street. Paul says, no, there's no lion. There's no obstacle in your way. You just got to make up your mind. I'm going to move. I'm going to work. I need somebody right now to pray in the Holy Ghost. I need somebody right now to pray. The devil don't want you to hear what I'm preaching right now. 
The adversary doesn't want you to hear what I'm saying right now. But I'm telling you, there's an anointing on some of you. There's a purpose on some of your lives. You've been kept up late at night as the Spirit of God has been pulling on you, saying, come deeper, come closer, come further. And all you've said is, no, I can't. There's an obstacle in my way. There's a lion in the street. God is saying it's now. It's now, but you're saying no. There's a lion in the street. God said, no, no, no. There's not a, that's a lie from the adversary. That's a lie from the pits of hell to keep you from your destiny. There is no lion. There is no obstacle. Come on, lift up your voice and pray right now. Some of you have not been awakened in your spirit in a long time. And right now you're feeling that heart of stone become a heart of flesh. Because for so long you've made excuses as to why you can't do what God is asking you to do. It's too hard. It's too deep. It's too much. But God is saying in this place, there is no obstacle in your way. You're just dealing with the nemesis of now. There's no obstacle in your way. But if the enemy can kick you to get focused on the proverbial high end, You'll never work. You'll never work. God can only do so Hear me. God can only do so much. He will not infringe on the free will of human beings. There is only so much that God can do. All God can do is bring you to a moment. But in that moment, whether or not that moment is ultimately everything that it was supposed to be, does not rest on God's shoulders. It rests on our shoulders. If we don't see what God has promised his church, can I tell you it is not God's fault. It's not God's fault. And I want you to hear me right now. And I know none of you think this. But it's not pastor's fault. It's not Sister Valerie's fault. Paul says, there's no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. He says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors. Sleepless nights, hunger, my purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, my truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true. Paul says to them, I've done everything that I can do. If you miss out on your now, it's not because of what I've done. If you miss out on every, do you look, will you just look at the list that the Apostle Paul endured? And in the 21st century, if somebody looks at us the wrong way, we think we're persecuted. Can I tell you, we don't know what persecution is. 
We don't know what sacrifice is. We don't know what it's like to take lashings on our back for the name of Christ. We don't know what it's like to spend sleepless nights in a prison where people are talking about everything that we are. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, I've done everything I know to do. I've done everything that I can do. There's no obstacle in your way. just dealing with the nemesis of now. That is the fact that you're not willing to work. Lift up your hands and pray right now. There's conviction in this room, and that conviction is not to make you feel bad and be discouraged, but there's something that God is trying to do. It's apparent there are people that were making excuses. Hey, hey, Apostle Paul, like, I know that you said that now's the accepted time, but, 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 like, you, you got, you've done, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, and, and, and you don't know what's going on in my family, you don't know what's going on in my home. Apostle Paul says, listen, man, I, I know what it's like. And he lists everything that he goes through. And he says, listen, I've been through things. He said, but, but it's not me that's preventing you. We haven't placed any obstacle in your way. God hasn't placed any obstacle in your way. There is no lion in the street. You need to understand that if you're going to experience everything that God has for you, at some point you're going to have to deal with this nemesis of now. At some point you're going to have to deal with this laziness. After you list everything that they're dealing with, or that, rather, everything that they have used as excuses, he says in verse number 11 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, we have spoken freely to you. I'm reading from the ESV. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. He said, we've done everything that we can do. I want you to hear me right now in the Holy Ghost. Pastor, Sister Valerie, Bishop have done just about everything that they can do. They've done everything that they can do to bring this church to where God wants it to be. But I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, if we will get if we get to the place that God wants us to be, it will be when we Join with Pastor. It will be when we join with Sister Valerie and we become workers together with them and with Christ. It is not Pastor's job to build this church. It is our job to build this church with Pastor and with Christ. It's not pastor's job to just be a preacher and preach to the lost people of this community. No, it is also our job to be preachers in this community. It's not just bishop's job to teach Bible studies. It's our job to teach. No, it's just pastor's job. No, it's your job too. It's your job too. We are workers together with Christ.
said, our heart is wide open. We've done everything. We're, we're open. We're open to you, Corinthian church. You can see we've done everything. We have not restrict, restricted you. And in verse number 12, he points to the real problem. He said, you're not restricted by us. You're restricted in your own bowels. Another translation says it this way. You're restricted in your own affections. The problem is not, Pastor. The problem is not, Sister Valerie, or everything not being perfect, or this or that. The problem is your affections. Because here's the thing. Laziness is nothing more than misplaced value. When someone chooses not to work, we call it laziness, right? But what, what in actuality is happening? They're choosing rather their comfort than going out and working and providing for their family. It's just misplaced value. They're valuing their comfort over their family. They're valuing what they want over their family. It's, we call it laziness, but lazy, laziness is nothing more than misplaced value. When we say we can't do it, there's a line in the street, there's misplaced value. You're not restricted by us, Paul says. You're restricted by your own affections. Your value system is off. Your priorities are off. If you really wanted to, you can get up in the morning and you could pray before you left and you went to work, but your values are off. If you really wanted to, you could, you, could, you could squeeze out an hour or two a week to teach a home Bible study to somebody, but your values are off. It, the problem is not the lion in the street. The problem is not the obstacle in your way. The problem is you're restricted by your own affections. The problem is you place your affections on things beneath and not on things above. The problem is your own affections. Don't you tell me that there's a lion in the street. No, there's no lion in the street. It's just your own affections. But I would to God that there would be somebody that would say, as the, as the psalmist said in the Bible, I'm going to set my affections not on things beneath, but on things above. I'm going to deal with my affections. I'm going to deal with the things that I long for. I'm going to deal with the things that I have an appetite for. of now is laziness and all laziness is is misplaced value when you get your values right everything falls into place it's easy to say I value Jesus more than anything but if somebody were to take a look at your affections would Jesus be number one? And if Jesus is not number one, do you know what you'll always do? You'll always say there's a line in the street. And if you always say there's a line in the street, you'll never be a part of the now that God has. There's no lion in the street. There's only a nemesis. Lift up your hands right now one more time and begin to pray. 
I want to set my affections on things above and not things beneath. Come on. I know I'm not preaching to everybody. But I'm preaching to somebody right now. You want it. You want what God has for you. But you got to quit saying there's a lion in the street. There's not a lion in the street. It's your own affections that you're dealing with right now. There's no lying in the street. It's just your own, it's your own will and your own desire that you're wrestling against right now. But come on, it's time to deal with our affections. It's time to set our affections on things. You remember? Remember when, when, when Jesus was there? With Peter, and the Bible says that Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief of the priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. The Bible says that Peter does something. The Bible says that Peter grabs him and says, Lord, be it far from thee, O Lord. This is not going to happen. Be it far from thee. But the Bible says that Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God. Peter, your affections are in the wrong place. Your affections are, are lying with men. And Peter, you don't understand that, 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 that I have something that I need to do. I have some work that needs to be done. Get thee behind me. Your affections are in their own place. But if you begin to turn your affections on what I'm turned on, then you'll understand that I have something to do. Can I tell somebody right now? It's time to set our affections on things above. Coming to a close, I want you to stand all across the room. I'm telling you, I feel it so strongly in the Holy Ghost. I know we've heard it many times, but I feel it so strongly. We're living in a moment, church. There is something unique and peculiar about this moment. That God has placed this church in. And whether or not we see. And, and let me say again. Y'all this is our purpose. Paul says this is why you. This is why you experience the grace of God. It was not so that you could take the grace in vain. And just sit on a pew and just be awesome. And. No, the reason why I saved you is so that you could be an ambassador with me. The reason that I saved you is so that you could co-labor with me. You need to understand that this is why I did what I did for you. But if you're going to experience that, you got to deal with your affections. You got to deal with See, some of here's 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 the thing. I, I'm not preaching just to you. I'm preaching to myself right now. 
as I began to prepare this message, conviction began to get on me. I felt the Lord speak to me. James, when's the last time you taught a home Bible study? It's been years, Lord. But God, I'm evangelizing. I'm traveling. I'm barely in town. And, 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 I, and, and like we're in and we're out and we're zipping here and there. We're, we could be in California one moment and then, and, and then Florida the next moment. God said, there is no lying in the street. There's no obstacle in your way. The problem is your affections. If you really believed that I had revival for this church, like I said that I have revival for this church, you'd be teaching Bible studies every chance you got. If you really believed that my return was soon, you be doing everything that you can. The problem is your affections, your affections. The nemesis of now is laziness, and laziness is nothing more than misplaced values. Your affections, your affections. Quit making excuses. I'm not preaching to you something that God has not been dealing with me about for the last few weeks. I'm preaching to you in the Holy Ghost that as a church of the living God, God is calling us beyond where we are right now. It will be work. It will cost you. But Paul ended with this, and this is what I end with today. Paul says, it's your affections. But I'm asking you, just as I open my heart, I'm asking, I'm asking you, to open your hearts as well. I'm asking you. Some of you have closed me, shut me down, closed me off, turned me off. But I'm asking you, just like the Apostle Paul asked the church, to open your hearts. Open your hearts and allow God to begin to speak to you. Open your hearts and allow God to begin to do surgery on your spirit. Open your hearts right now and allow God to begin to deal with you. I know that we're busy. I know that we have jobs. I know that we have children. But can I tell you, there is no lion in the street. There is no obstacle in the way. The problem is our affections. Get your affections back in the right place. Come on, get your affections back in the right place, church. Come on, I'm asking you right now to, to quit making excuses. Come on, I'm asking you to join with me and say, I'm not going to make excuses any longer, God, but I open my heart. I open my spirit. I open my, I open my spirit to you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice and pray right now. Lift up your voice right now and pray. Come on, I'm begging some of you. It's been a long time since you prayed like this, but open your heart. It's been a long time since you've allowed God to deal with your affections, but I'm asking you right now, open your heart. Open your heart. Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost right now. There's conviction in this room. space. 
Paul says, if you're going to allow for your affections to change, you got to open your heart. I know some of you have closed your heart. You're not open to, to what I'm preaching right now. But I preach this in love. I preach this not meaning to, to, to jump down someone's throat. I'm not, I preach this in love, but I know God has given me a word. And I'm asking you right now, everyone in this place, would you open your heart? Would you allow God to begin to do surgery on your spirit? I'm asking you right now to do what David did and pray that prayer, search me, Lord, and know me. And if there be any evil thing in me, God, I want you to take it, create in me a clean heart, Lord, and renew within me a right spirit. Come on, would you just allow God to begin to deal with your priorities right now? Would you, would you just allow God to, to, to bring you back into proper alignment with his will and his purpose for your life? Would you just pray right now? Would you pray right now? Would you pray right now in Jesus' name? Open your heart all across this room. Come on, open your heart all across this room. Search us, Lord God, and know us. Search us and know us. Search us. What's
Sometimes with messages like this and with conviction like this, we don't, we don't really know what to do with it. Because whether pastor tells you or not, there's constant pressure that the ministry feels to tell us what we want to hear and to preach inspirational messages. Bible says that's the signs of the time. Bible says in the, the last day, days people are going to heap unto themselves teachers, preachers having itching ears. Just good old King James E's for this. There's going to come a day when people will tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. But I'm, I feel so strongly, church there's a special season that we are in right now and if we're not careful we can miss what God is wanting to do but here's what I want us here's what I want us to leave this building with God is very obviously calling us to a deeper place of commitment. And I don't apologize for that because guess what? He's not just calling you, he's calling me. He's not just calling you, he's calling pastor even. Not saying that our, our pastor is consecrated. He's one of the most godly men that I know. But I feel it. God doesn't, he, God doesn't just say one thing for the church and then and then people that are in ministry, they're just exempt to it. But it's for everybody in this room. We have the opportunity, church, to see everything that God has for us. But if there's one thing that could stop us, it is the laziness that we exhibit in our spirits. So this week, this is what I want you to do those moments when you don't feel like praying in those moments when you don't feel like seeking God in that moment when you want to go into the grocery store and just be in your own little world and you don't want to tell anyone about the Lord and you feel God nudging you and leading you I want you to remember there's no obstacle in your way there's no lying in the street right here is our affections it's what we value and in that moment I want you to pray God help me to value the things of God more than the things of this world one more time I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to pray that God it, it's not going to all be overnight it's going to be a process but I'm, I'm telling you what I feel so strongly there there's a a depth of God's spirit there's a depth of of anointing that God is wanting to take every single person in this place to, but we have to be willing. I want you to pray right now in Jesus' name. God, when those moments come this week, let me hear, hear those words from your word echoing in my spirit that there is no obstacle in my way. 
but that God, you've ordained this thing. Lord, you've ordained this thing. Lord, all we have to do is just get a hold of it and believe that now is the accepted time. Lift up your voice and pray. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, all across this room. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. There are people in this room that perhaps have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost and they're making a commitment right now that, God, I want everything that you have for me. Come on, I want you to lift up your voice right now. Come on, church, we, 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 we got a few more minutes. The Holy Ghost is in this room right now. Come on, a few more seconds. God's Spirit is in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.